Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for honoring us, Lord, with your goodness tonight. I thank you for every friend that's come to sit at your feet, to take time out of their busy schedule, to understand that there's nothing as important as sitting at your feet. Thank you, Lord. I thank you so much that you're helping us tonight to hear what others cannot hear, to see what others cannot see, uh, because you said you would reveal secrets to us from your word. We thank you and we praise you. Thank you, thank you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It's a privilege to minister. If you're visiting for the first time, uh, you've, uh, uh, you've come in a good time. Uh, Pastors Mark and Brenda are uh, on a little trip. They just left, I guess, this afternoon. And they asked me if I had something on my heart, if I would minister tonight. And gladly, I stand before you to minister. God has something. He's put something on my heart. And uh, so let's believe God. What do you say? That the Lord will help us tonight. We're in the season of harvest, friends. And to understand uh, understand that, uh, the whole concept of harvest is the fact that Jesus, in Matthew chapter uh, 9 and verse 38, said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In John four thirty-five, he said, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, behold I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest. This is the generation of reapers. You know, we're coming to the end of time, the end of this dispensation. And I don't know how, many, how much more time we have. Some people have speculated that Jesus will be coming back by 2012. And that's entirely possible. Uh, there are so many great men of God that uh, try to pick themselves an antichrist and when Jesus was coming and they missed it. And certainly the guy that picked the 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88, 1988, he missed it. So uh, we're not speculating, but we know the, we know the season. And we know that he's coming back. And just understand that this is a season where harvest should be big in our hearts and in, in, our, in our minds. Uh, harvest of every kind. We have many, many promises about harvest. First of all, that ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. We believe in harvest in this church where souls are concerned. Amen. That God loves people. And that he sent his son for the very reason of of enlarging his family and redeeming mankind. And we believe in the redemption of man's spirit, soul, and body. I mean, the most important thing, of course, is that your spirit be born again and that you come into the body of Christ. Is that right? But we also believe in this place that Jesus, on the same cross, on the same day, he bore not only the sin of the world, but he also bore our sickness. Is that right? And he paid the price for peace in our lives. So we believe that Jesus did a total and a thorough work because he loved us. Amen. And by the way, it wasn't soldiers and it wasn't nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was the love that he had for you and I. He said, I could have called in another portion of scripture. I could have called legions of angels, if I'm mistaken, 10 legions to, to come and rescue me. You have, in other words, boys, uh, you don't understand what league I'm in. <laughs> I could have called the uh, le- legions of angels, but I didn't because of love. He already fought the battle at Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if this is possible for anything to pass from me, let this cup pass from me. But you know, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Is that right? And please understand, like Pastor ministered this morning, uh, the, the primary theme of Scripture is a love story. It's not about doctrine. It's not about wearing your hair up and no makeup and don't wear pants and don't go to movies. It's about love. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a passionate God that loves people passionately and wants His creation back. He wants His kids back. That's what it's about. So, of course, the harvest of souls. But, you know, harvest, in order, in order for the harvest to be what, we, what God wants it to be, not only is, is harvest in the arena of souls, it's harvest in every area. Seeds that you have sown, harvest everywhere. Harvest financially. Harvest of health. 
This is the time to harvest. We are reapers. And there are promises for us about how that the, 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 the plowman would, or the, the reaper would overtake the plowman. Like, no sooner would you throw the seed in the ground, but the, plow, the reapers are coming right away to pull it. In other words, God is accelerating time. Can you see that? But tonight, the Lord has put something really in my heart about the harvest. And um, let me just, I'll, I'll save the little story for later. But it was, it's something happened last week to, to me last week that was very dramatic. And, and he, he immediately dropped something into my heart. And I said, I knew exactly where he was going with it. But friends, let me, be patient with me as we, as we walk through our course over the next few minutes. Is that all right? I'm sorry? I've already dismissed whoever needed to be dismissed. Friends, this is a season to not keep quiet. We don't want to have to keep quiet. We need to, we need to speak out. And we need, we need to, to, to be instruments of deliverance in our generation and, and, and the people around us. But what's interesting to me is I found out that there are two forms of witnessing. And tonight we're going to talk about these two dimensions in witnessing. And the first one that I'm going to say is, I'm going to quote something by St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. <laughs> Let me just say that again. Now, now, Jesus said, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Now, this is, this is, this is, this is really catchy what St. Francis said. He said, preach the gospel... And he then goes on to say, if necessary, use words. While not entirely a comprehensively true statement, it underscores something of a dimension for us that we can observe tonight, that in the Christian witness, there are two sides of the witness. First, there are the words that we say. That is, the words that we proclaim. Is that right? When you go out and you... Is tell someone about John 3.16, for we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, right? That's not John 3.16, that's back in Romans. For it is the power of God unto salvation. You start sharing with people that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that, that, that Jesus is risen from the dead, that you can be saved. And, and whosoever comes to him, he'll not come. Those are the words that you're saying, right? That's the proclamation. And that is not what we're talking about tonight. Because what we're going to focus is on something slightly different. The other thing are the actions, the lifestyle and the behavior. Friends, a life that exudes the love, the life, the power and the salvation of God. People are looking at that witness. And just as in the courtroom, when you may have a witness that takes the stand, we're witnesses, right? He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall become witnesses unto me, right? Is that right? But just as in a court of law, when you take the stand to bring forth your witness, you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God, thank goodness they still have a Bible in there. And then the people say, what? I do. And then they say, okay, take the stand. The bailiff moves to the side. And then they begin to ask the person questions. And presumably the person telling at the booth is supposed to tell the truth. Is that right? Those are words. But what does an attorney do? A prosecuting attorney will take a testimony that's hurtful to his client. And he will do his very best to discredit the testimony. Pay attention carefully tonight because that's exactly what the devil does. He tries to find a loophole to discredit your testimony. Someone's, were you there on the night of? Yes, I was there on the night of. Were you this? Did you observe this person? Was this the person? Yes, that was the person. Did you see this happen? Yes, I saw that happen. So you're witnessing the truth. Is that right? But then the, the prosecuting attorney will take and begin to twist things and say, well, back in the year of something, weren't you in a trial and weren't you confused about the fact? And he'll start twisting things to discredit and overturn the witness. Friends, listening, listen to me. Our life, the, the thing that's unique about Christianity, in my opinion, is that not only are we supposed to tell the story, we're supposed to live the story. And pastor started a series 
on the top of the year, talk, uh, and I believe he, he's, he's just about, he just about finished that one about aligning our lives with the Word. Is that right? Aligning our thoughts, aligning our words with the Word. Is that right? How about putting it this way in our context? Aligning your life with the Gospel. Now, there's a reason why this is important. Because actions, what I have seen... Actions do speak. Actions testify. Is that right? Oh, I'd love to get into some things, but at the moment, many times actions speak louder than words. And if someone that you are trying to minister the truth that God loves them, but they observe the actions in your life and they are not lining up with what you said. Wait a minute. You're saying that God loves people and you're acting like, you know, you're acting like the devil himself. Can you see how that discredits our testimony? On the other hand, just like wives are admonished to act a certain way, their conversation be a certain way, when you behave the way a Christian does and walk in kindness and in love and portray the Christ life, what happens? That means they say that the husband will be won over because they call it because of the conversation. But what it means is because of your behavior. Now, I, the title of my message tonight is a little funny. I like to find catchy little things that will help us. And we won't be here long tonight. But God wants to talk to us about lining up our life so that we could be effective in the, in the season of reaping. Tonight's title is, of tonight's message is, How's My Driving? The world is watching How Is My Driving? Now, that, that is so perfect. What a perfect model. Friends... How many, I don't know if you ever worked, I used to work for the U.S. Postal Service, among other jobs that I did. And I drove one of those little blue Jeeps or one of the big vans. I I used to drive that. Can you imagine that? Many moons ago. At the Presidio, actually, in San Francisco. That's kind of fun, the Marina District. And then finally, never mind. A lot of fun things that PT did in his, I used to build pipe organs too. Now we're meddling. I used to be a paper boy. (laughs) Where were we now? See, that's what's wrong when you, you guys are too nice tonight. There was a little sticker on the back of that van that said, How's my driving? You know, I wish Christians could have that on their back. How's my acting, you know? So you call 1-800-STRAIGHTEN-THIS-CHRISTIAN-OUT. 1-800-FIX-THEIR-WITNESS. They're, they're really fouled up. 1-800-HELP-US-OUT. You know, and, and this is such a... Perfect driving is so perfect because I know I'm not the only one. How many of you, because you're human, were driving in a certain way and certain attitudes, and I like to call them this way, batitudes, were flying, and then you remembered that you had a Jesus loves you sticker on your car? Huh? Now watch this. Watch this. You get to the stop sign. And somebody is like hesitating, you go, okay, and you know how that makes you feel when you're being impatient with people. And then you, then, then you floor it and you go around and you do that. And then as you're going by, they see that Jesus loves you. John three sixteen. And if you just receive Christ in your life, you know, turn a new leaf and Jesus, you know, come visit my church. Huh? Huh? How about that? Can you see how that your actions overturned or disqualified the words or the word. Can you see that? So tonight we're in traffic school. <laughs> we're in traffic school just to make sure we straighten a few things out because your witness does not begin. I mean, I thank God for, for, for as we have tracks and we pass them out. But friends, your witness does not begin... With handing out tracts. Your witness begins the moment you're in public. Wherever you go, your manner of life is a witness. How many of you like that little thing about the car? How's my driving? Because, and then I'll just say it boldly, your driving speaks louder than your bumper sticker. Is that right? Can I get a witness in the house? 
So regarding witnessing or, or being, being a witness in the earth, let me just run through a few things before I get to the thing, that, that funny story that happened to me about three, three something in the morning last Wednesday. It was kind of a really interesting day for me last week. But notice this, when we talk about witnessing, we, we, we consider this. We consider that in Matthew 5.13, you can look this up in the message, please, Matthew 5.13. There are three areas that he talks about when we're, how, how we are in the earth to, to represent God and to be a witness to Him. The first one happens to be, uh, be salt. That we are, and it's not quite up there yet, but it's Matthew 5.13 in the Message Bible. Let me read this to you. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness, how... Uh, usefulness, and uh, you'll end up in the garbage. Is that right? Let me read that again. You've lost your usefulness, and you'll end up in the garbage. So the A section is, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt. You're here to be salt, the salt of the earth. Amen? Let's look at Matthew 5.13 in the Amplified, and I'll go ahead and read these out because I'm trying to save time, but I know they do a great job. I have friends in high places. Matthew 5.13 in the Amplified Bible says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, can I just add this one thing? Its integrity. The moment you lose your temper with that co-worker, the moment you fly off the handle and do something crazy, when you floor it on the freeway, and when you do, those are all opportunities for you to jeopardize the integrity of your witness. So I'm just trying to, I feel the Lord challenging us tonight. We cannot afford to lose our witness or to lose our credibility is what, they're, what they do with witnesses. You cannot afford to lose your credibility. God needs every laborer in the harvest possible. You've got to be, we've got to be consistent with our behavior and bringing forth the life of Christ to people. Pastor Tom, have you ever lost your temper? Have you? Oh, Lord. I had something happen last week. I was so groveling and... Repenting and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Actually, I said, I'm sorry. But you see, friends, we're all human. Is that right? But we need to keep working on it. Why? Because the world is watching and your witness depends on your credibility. I don't care how much scripture you can throw at people. The moment you display a characteristic that is not godly, we're, we're invalidating our credibility. Y'all follow that? So let's look at the, this other one. The light is another thing. Light, 1 Peter 2.9. I like some of these scriptures, and this is in the Amplified Bible, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds. So you would set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of Him who called you, out of darkness, and where? Into His marvelous light. So we are really called children of the light. You know, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And we're called basically people of light. And the scripture is very clear about what light is, you know, in various places. But before we get to the book of 1 John, let me, let me just catch this in the King James Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, I know Jesus was the light of the world, but then He turned around because He left. And he said, now you are the light of the world. You are the poster. You're the, you're the uh, advertising to the world. You are the light of the world. People are looking at us. We are the epistles written and read of all men. When they look at you, when they look at PT, are they going to say, now that is a kind man. Now that is a faithful man. There's something about that guy. It just, he's, he's courageous. And, you know, these commodities, by the way, are very rare. You don't find faithful people, kind people. Love? Are you kidding me? Love is so, on such a short commodity. In fact, Jesus said this, In the last days, 
things would be so cruel that even, catch this, the days would be so evil that the love of men's hearts would wax what? Cold. It takes a special breed of person to walk in love and to be really love. Everybody's cutthroat. Everybody's, everybody's just trying to get ahead at the expense of somebody else. But in the body of Christ, it's not so. We're thinking about, we have other people on our mind, don't we? we have the, we're trying to catch the heartbeat of God. And don't feel guilty, friends, if you haven't got as much of a heartbeat as the other person. You just do what God's putting on your heart to do. Speaking of light, uh, you walk in the light that you know. You're not expected to walk in the light that somebody else knows. Whatever you know, whatever the entrance of his word brings light, whatever light that you know, walk in that. Minister that to people. Love people through that. That's all. That's where your anointing is going to be. Where the love. I can't try to be somebody else. You got to be who you are. There was one woman, the only light that she had. Listen, the only light that she had was come see a man that told me all that I ever did. And the entire city came out and Jesus ministered to them. That's all she knew. All she knew was, hey, just check this dude out. That's, that's her level of light. She just knew there's something special about this cat that just came to town. And y'all need to check this guy out because he's got something special. Cancel. Well, we had things like cancel everything. Come see this guy. That's the only light that she had. Friends, you know, newborn Christians, many times, I've found this to be my experience. When they just just get born again, they've never been in church. They just got born again. They're just wild. They just go to everybody and say, Hey, come check out church. Jesus loves you and all this stuff. And that's the light that they have. Is that right? I think we need to get some of that light back. We need to get some of that fire. We need to stop neglecting so great a salvation. Well, we've done gone meddling. So we are called to the light. We're a royal priesthood. That we will manifest things about the light, the kingdom of God. Is that right? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. Are you there? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Don't you try to hide. This is not a season for hiding. God is trying to put you on display. You need to be seen. Don't give me this. I'm shy. No. God help you to be bold. You need the joy of the Lord on your life to be evident to everybody. When everything's falling apart and everybody's wringing their hands, you still have the joy. I wish I had time. I'm just going to take it right now. The Apostle Paul in Acts 16 I can't think of a worse situation. There you are serving God, then you all of a sudden you end up beaten and thrown into prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? They prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. I'm really getting ahead of myself. Why am I doing that? See, you did that to me. They didn't... What Do you think they were singing a sad song? They weren't. Irrespective of what was going on in their life... I don't know what the other prisoners were doing like, oh, bummer, dude. But the next guy was, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that we're getting out of here. Something good's going to happen. But I want, you to, I want you to notice something about the Apostle Paul. Even when they got delivered out of the prison, I want you to know one of the first things that, first of all, everyone's bands were loose. That's like secondhand smoke. You know, slopped over glory. Like, what? you know how important you are in the world? You walking in the joy of the Lord and walking in prayer and praise and walking in the word of God. Anybody within proximity of you is suspect of getting blessed. Yeah. Just just think about this. They were just in proximity of the Apostle Paul. They didn't even know who he was probably. But it said everyone's bands were loosed. You see how important it is for you to have victory in your life? It's so important. Your victory affects everybody around you in your sphere. They they take notice of that. Ooh, I'm getting, I need to get to that pot, but it's going to be good. So here, I just want you to know something. Even though everyone's bands were loosed and all the doors were open, you'd think that in the the, uh, situation they were in, they would use self-preservation. They would, hey, dude, we're free. Make a run for it. 
But instead of making a run for it, everybody stayed. Think about this. The Apostle Paul did not have himself on his mind. The Apostle Paul stayed and probably encouraged everybody else to stay. And the Philippian jailer, for a jailer, listen, to lose a prisoner is a death sentence. That's why he pulled out his sword and was ready to do it. But Paul said, whoa, 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 hold it, hold it. Do yourself no harm. We're all still here. Now, he didn't preach the gospel to the jailer, did he? But his actions, friends, his actions of kindness and unselfishness, that opened the door. That was a witness. Can you see that? Can you see how that way his behavior, it looks like his bumper sticker and his driving matched. Huh? He said, we're all still here. In other words, he didn't try to escape. He stayed because he knew. You know why I think he stayed? I think I, he stayed because he knew that that would mean death to that jailer. And he was thinking about him. And I believe the Holy Ghost had him on his heart and said, just stick around for a bit. I got something I'm going to do here. If you follow the story in Acts 16, the jailer said he came trembling. And what were the words that came out of his mouth? What must I do to be saved? Come on, friends. See, I, I want you to know something. Here's a fish that jumped into the boat. Paul didn't even open his mouth to preach the gospel yet. Help me now. That's what we're talking about. He lived it. Can you see that? Can you see how your kindness and your patience with someone that doesn't deserve it? (laughs) Can can you see how that can open the door? And in so many words, they're going to come to you and say, what must I do to be, be saved? Just like that jailer. And guess what happened? The jailer washed their wounds, took them home. And he says, and they all got saved. He says he and his whole house got saved. And they all got baptized. So it didn't affect just the jailer. Everybody in the house took the kingdom of God to heart. And they were all saved. All because there was a man that his bumper sticker matched his driving. Hello, somebody. Give Jesus a shout. That's a good story. He didn't, he didn't have himself on his mind. He had the other folks. Well, let's talk about walking in the light. Of course, in Ephesians 5, 8... It says that for ye sometimes were in darkness, but now ye are ye light in the Lord and walk as children of the light. And then I'm moving quickly, so I don't say try to keep up with all this. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 5 through 7, I think we should look at this one. The 1 Johns are important. Pastor did a great series last year on the book of 1 John. And 1 John, the apostle of love, talks so much about how important it is for you to walk in love. Don't throw scriptures at people unless you've got love in your heart. Don't blab off in tongues at people unless you've got love in in your heart. Why? Because although I speak with tongues of men and of angels and know everything and I can quote every scripture and quote the whole scriptures of Bible, but I don't have love. People know it when you love them and they know when you don't care about them. People listen a whole lot better when they know you love them. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Where were we? We're in the first John's chapter chapter one, verse five through seven. King James Version says this. First John chapter one, verse five through seven. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is darkness. No, God is what? And in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the what? In the light, help me out, as he is in the what? In the light. Then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice something. When he's talking about light, he's also talking about Two dimensions of relationship. The vertical relationship, which is the one with God. But he also says, we have fellowship with one another. The horizontal relationship. 
If you go to the coffee pot and are gossiping about the boss or a fellow worker, you are jeopardizing your witness. Don't do it. Can you follow that? Can you see that love people, people will follow and receive the love of God. But when they start seeing something fake like gossip, that just doesn't fly. Hello. And it goes on about talking about light. And I want to, I want to move on pretty, pretty fast here because there's other things I want to get to. Really, I want to get to the cologne story. <laughs> Notice it says here, again, a new, 1 John chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which is a thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that says that he's in the light and hates his brother, uh uh-oh, there's that relationship thing again, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. I'll just say this about that. It is so critical that when you put your head on the pillow at night, that you have come to terms with everybody in your life. I'm not saying that you have to be in relationship with everybody. There are some relationships you had to put boundaries around. There are some people you needed to forgive and you needed to set up a boundary and love them from afar. Have you ever, do you know what that means? Or does somebody need help with that? Not everybody needs to be your best friend. You don't have to crawl up in their lap, you see. But there are some things that happen in life because we're human. We hurt each other inadvertently, okay? But there are some, there are some people it's just a little harder to get along with or work with than that. But that's okay. All it says is, look, forgive them and love them. Hold no animosity. Let it go. Let it go. So when you put your head, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, because I've had experiences where something didn't quite set well and days went by and I, I and and I didn't know quite how to deal with it, but I had this knot in my stomach, and I just it, it kind of short circuited that free spirit that I had on the inside of me. I didn't feel too free. I felt really miserable to tell you the truth. Strife, that thing on the inside, get rid of it. That's darkness. Amen. If you need help along that line, we'll talk to us later. We could give you some tips on how to deal with relationships that are difficult, how to put boundaries, because you know the Lord. He doesn't require you to, to like everybody and to be intimately with everybody, but you do need to learn how to love and respect people and not have an animosity in your life. Fair enough? So then, of course, Isaiah chapter 60 says this, uh, verse 1 through 3, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For the Lord, behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but... The Lord shall arise upon you. Everybody say, the Lord's arising on me. And His glory will be seen on me. Everybody say, seen on me. And what will happen? The Gentiles shall come to what? To your light. The light that's on you. Okay, now it's time for the... How many want to hear the story about the cologne story? I got a call very early in the morning on... I, I guess it was Tuesday night, Wednesday, or very early morning. And uh, there was a gentleman that was uh, uh, not a stranger, not, not a member of the church, but they got a hold of the church's number. Tony gave a, a thing, somebody on the street, and they, and they said, we, we, I really need help. I really need help. I need, and, and so I just got a little familiar with what he needed, you know, and it boiled down to this. He has an appointment in Salinas, and ordinarily he wouldn't, you know... Um, do whatever uh, things would be more in order. But in this circumstance, things got a little out of control for him. And he said, I desperately need a ride to the train station. I'm going like, it's like 3.47 in the morning. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then he also says, and not only that, I don't have the full fare either. Because somebody stole my wallet. I'm like, ugh. So, you know, I just, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help this person. I'm, uh, I prayed and says, okay, let's see what I could do for this person. I found out exactly what he needed. And so uh, I just said, okay, I'm going to help this guy. If it's within your power to help somebody, what? Help him. So I put on my duds and I'm, oh, I'm just really dragging. For those of you that have got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I really feel you. I'm feeling you. And I, and I get out there. And, and I met with a very distinguished gentleman dressed in a suit. And he, uh, he's, a, he's got a doctorate, a PhD in this and that. And he's a director of several very important programs, retired military and the whole thing. But he needs a ride to the train station. 
So I take him, you know, to the train station and that. But the, the one thing that really got to me is that when he got in the car, whoo, his strong smell of cologne. Oh, 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 it was so strong. Oh, my God, I couldn't hardly breathe. But I couldn't say anything, you know, because here's this man, this Ph.D. And, you know, all this like, oh, my gosh, I can hardly breathe. Well, how are you? My name is, my name is. So, so we make our way to the train station, and he's so grateful and everything, and I, I helped him out with fare and this and that. And then, and then as he's leaving, he wants to shake my hand, and I said, sure, you know what, well, it's a nice, it's a pleasure to meet you, and we talked a little bit, and he's a Christian man, you know. He shook my hand, and then, <laughs> after he closed the door, I, I went, ah! <laughs> I had that cologne on my hand! I went home. I'm tired. The guy woke me up in the middle of the night. I tried to do my good deed, be a good little Christian. <laughs> Is that right, Bertha? I got home. I must have washed my hand three, four times. And said, good. There it's gone. And then I got in bed, you know. And then I went like this. And, ah! The smell was still there. I couldn't get off my hands. So... I finally said, I don't know what to do. I try to wash my hand again and again and again and again, and the smell won't get off my hand. You know the cologne I'm talking about, ant poison cologne, right? People pay a lot of money for ant poison cologne. So I did the best I could. I stuck it under the covers, really held the covers tight, and just tried not to gag and go back to sleep. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit was helping me. And when I woke up in the morning, I went to the sink. And the Lord said, use the Trader Joe's vegetable watch. Because I said, wait a minute, cologne is some kind of oil, isn't it? It's got oils, right? So I took the vegetable wash and I, and I, and I, and I lathered it on my hand and I washed my hand. And uh, is this going to work? You know, because it removes waxes, oils, pesticides, and poison, remember? It removes everything. Guess what? It worked. I went, ah, I got, I got my hand back. I got my life back. <laughs> That's a good little trick, you know, uh, that Trader Joe stuff. It works really good. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me about something, about that. He quickened in me. I want you to turn with me to a scripture, because as funny as that story is, it carries a phenomenal phenomenal uh, truth. I want you to turn with me, please. Hey, what did I do? I skipped. I'm preaching off the notes. Okay. Well, I know where it is. It's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. I want you to hold that thought about cologne. <laughs> I want you to hold that in your mind, how overwhelming it was for me. And this would be in the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 14 through 16. How many of you give me about 10, 15 more minutes? And I won't do the Mario Murillo trick. Okay, thank you, thank you. 10 or 15 minutes, that's it. 10 or 15 minutes, okay. First, I want to show you this. Is it up there yet? She's up there. Man, you guys are good. Oh, it's Lori. Hi, Lori. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory. And through us, catch this, spreads and makes evident what? The fragrance of the knowledge of God where? Everywhere. Now now catch this because when I had that cologne incident, God just brought me right to the word. And I, I, this just, just went off in my spirit, and I believe we'll be blessed tonight. The first thing about this is that everything about Christ and life, the life of God and heaven, there's an aura, a fragrance about it. Victory, life, it's fresh, it's exciting. And everything about darkness, it's, it's dreary, and it, it's, it, it, death, it, it drags people down. Is that right? There's a stench to it. And I want you to notice right here, The first thing is that thanks be unto Christ who always leads us into victory. That is, 
there was a, I did a message a while back where it says, the praise be unto God in, in the King James, that's who, who always gives us the victory. We think that Jesus comes over us and hands us victory. There you go, brother, victory, Andy. Here's victory. Bam, a package called victory. But you know, when you look at a little more closely, it's that he's leading you into victory. That means you have to follow the instruction in order for you to walk in victory. Now, now that you're walking in victory, catch this now, now that you're walking in heavenly victories, you are then a a carrier of a testimony and you also have the fragrance of heaven on you. Listen, when these guys won the pennant, the Giants won. Yay, go Giants. When the Giants won... No one had to coach them on how to act. They all ran over to Posey, ran and hugged the, whoever, the closer, Wilson, fear the beard guy. You know, they all, everybody piled on everybody and everybody just hugged everybody. And it was like, they were jumping and leaping. Victory, there's a smell to victory. There's a feeling about victory. Is that right? You don't ever, the Bible says that, that, that when desire is fulfilled, it's like a, it's like a stream of life that comes forth. So we, we know, believe me, people all around you are losing. People all around you and all around us are hurting. And when you step in with that fragrance of victory, they can smell it. They can feel it. You've got some good news. Something good has happened to you. It's not just something that happened in a Bible. It's not just a scripture that you're quoting. You live this thing. You are an epistle written and read of all men. You're happy. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is all over you. Now watch this. This is where I want to go. Number B. So we got to walk in victory. There is a sweet smell of Christ's victory in our life. And notice this, the second point I want to make about verse 14 is that you are a trophy of Christ's victory. Trophies are intended to be on display. You display what God has done. Don't hide how God has blessed you. Don't hide answers to prayer. Don't hide the joy of the Lord. A lot of people, they're more concerned like, well, I don't know if I want to hide my New Testament, you know, my Bible, you know, we're in the workplace and all. Hey, I got news for you. Why don't you just live the life and why don't you just like not hide the joy of the Lord? Like not hide the healing that God came to give you. Not hide the direction that he gives. Not hide that the fact that he's wildly, enthusiastically in love with you and you are in love with him. Don't hide that. Why don't you put that on display? Hallelujah. Are we preaching okay tonight? Why? Why do I have to display it? Because when you put that trophy up there, when you put your life out there for people to see, because you're the light of the world, your victory, I said this before earlier tonight, your victory affects other people. And specifically, it affects the effectiveness of your witness or your testimony. I mean, what good does it do for me to try to win somebody over to Jesus and throw some scriptures at them, but I'm depressed? Or I'm dishonest. They're seeing that. I think I made my point. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to, let's go to further in the scripture. I'm going to go to verse 15. For we are, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter, it's in the aroma wafted from death to death, a fatal odor, a smell of doom. And to the former, it's the aroma from life to life. It's a vital fragrance. Chanel number five or something. It's a vital fragrance. It's living and it's fresh. The the thing I wanted to, to, to get across to us here tonight is that we are the sweet fragrance of Christ and it is discernible. Whether people say anything or not, What you do and how you conduct yourself is discernible. It's got an odor to it, if you will. 
And the real neat part about it, the fragrance of Christ is discernible and you need to clothe yourself. And we always talk about the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me. Well, you know, I found a portion of scripture that says you need to anoint yourself. Like this guy that lathered on the cologne and came to my car and almost gagged me and then shook my hand and almost killed me. I just, I thought about something. I mean, the Lord just really ministered to me about this. You know what? In Matthew 6, verse 16 through 18, Jesus is talking about people that are fasting for the wrong purpose. And then he says, look, moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites and be of a sad countenance. They have a saditude. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when you fast, anoint your head. You know, immediately I thought, do you know, when you talk about anointing, there was a, a definition of anointing is to take an oil or something and then to, 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 to rub this in. But the, the, the feeling I got from the Lord is, is beyond just, just a few pats. Because believe me, the dude that came in my car did more than just a few drops. No, he did not do that. This dude must have done. This dude did it. And we go way beyond application and applique. This is way beyond lather. Let me tell you what lather. When you lather something on, that's when you take and you take a, a fair portion and then you rub it and agitate it, you know, and then you apply. And if it was soap and water, you work it into what we call a... Help me out. I'm almost done preaching. I know it's only 8.09. Don't tell me you're asleep on me. Cappuccino, row three. Uh, okay. Okay. You, you work it up into a lather, right? Okay, that's what's so. But go beyond that. The, the definition that I felt to, to use or the Lord impressed on me is you slather. S-L-A-T-H-A. You slather it. What does slather mean? That means to take a ridiculous, wasteful amount. Just woo, woo, woo. Like, and just woo. And just like three or four bottles of it. Woo, yeah. Just really, that's, I, that dude had to have slathered himself that morning. Because... I had to stand on the scripture that if you smell any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. <laughs> you know, I asked my mom to pray for me. She called me, son, I heard you're preaching tonight. I says, yeah, mom. And she goes, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I feel like, thanks, mom, you're praying for me. She's going to hear the CD. I love you, mom. Everybody say hi to mom. Hi, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom's a prayer. She knows I'm preaching tonight. Uh, she's probably praying right now for me. Maybe some of you are praying for me, like, Lord, help them finish. <laughs> what is the point? You need to anoint yourself. Like Naaman, you know, when he went, the leper, he went in Kings, and he went to see the prophet. He says, okay, go dip in that river. We preached on this years ago. He dipped in that river. The Bible says that he went and he dipped. But friends, that's not what that means. He dipped. Like people think like one, two, three. How many more? Four, five. No. The word for dip there is that he washed. That means that he used effort and he scrubbed that thing and he worked. He worked the water from the dirty Jordan River, wherever that was. I think it was Jordan. He rubbed and he worked that and he worked it. And we've done a message before about how oftentimes you need to work the word. You know, washing of water by the word. And some people, they, they, do, they, they apply the, they, they do a little quick dip and they think like, dude, it didn't work. Dude. Let's try it again. Dip like, dude, this ain't happening. Well, you got to work the word sometimes and rub it in. Is that right? What are we headed to with this? Slather is to a, a, an ample application, in fact, a wasteful application. You need to take the Word of God. You need to apply that to your life and just cover yourself, just really a generous dose. How about praying in the Holy Ghost and all these things that we talk about here where you actually are in a position where you are... Um, you are, you are satur allowing yourself to be saturated. How about singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? And just be saturated before you ever got out the door. So you could be like my friend. And when you get within so many feet or inches of people, oh, they feel something. You know what it was said of, of Marilyn Kuhl, uh, uh, Catherine Kuhlman? 
It says Bing Crosby. Y'all know Bing Crosby. He's still with us. He's a, he's a um, comedian. They were at CBS Studios. Bill Cosby, sorry. Huh? Bill Cosby. Not Bing Crosby or anything else. Bill Cosby, thank you. They would be filming on the set, and Catherine Kuhlman would drive up onto the CBS studio compound, and she would step foot inside the building, and the moment she, this happened regularly, I understand, she would step in, he would stop everything, and he'd say, she's here. Can you imagine? That strikes me as a woman that soaked the anointing of God. Like Pastor was talking this morning, what's our first calling? Just love God, fellowship with Him, be with Him. Which tells me this, you know, before you start throwing scriptures at people, hey, do you love Jesus? And have a attitude about you? How about... How about being impressed with God? How about waiting on God and being full of who He is? Hallelujah. Does that make sense to everybody? That'll help to give more credibility to your witness. Amen. So let's see where we're, 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 almost, we're, almost, we're almost home free. Hallelujah. David put it this way in Psalm 92.10, But I, my horn shall, be ex, shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So you, you do have a decision to make. You can lather and slather the anointing on you and as you fellowship with God. You got that? So, you know, when we say, how's my driving? I think that was such a good, a good picture for us to see the fact that because people are looking at you and they need answers, don't you think it's worth sanctifying yourself so that people will actually be open to what you have to say? And I believe that, that your life will draw people in. And they'll, they're going to come to us and say, like the Philippian jailer that, that night in Acts 16, he said... What must I do to be saved? Hey, if we're supposed to be reapers, then we need to be ready to witness on all levels. And our witness is very, very important. Just closing scripture, Colossians chapter 3 in the King James Version. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 16. Lest you should uh, overlook some of these qualities. Sometimes Christianity can be described as a big (laughs) put-on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things, put on what? Charity or love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts, to the which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Everybody be thankful. All right. And then let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That sounds like slathering it. Is that right? In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Is that all right tonight? Hallelujah.